0: We're
1: on. Hello. Yeah. We're on. Hi. Yeah. How's it going, audience, <laughs> and also Shriram? I like for you to feel like uh, we all just we just started talking just now. <laughs> there was no uh, preamble, no game planning. Uh, I mean, we don't really prep very much. We typically just say here are the events we're going to talk about, and then we do it. Uh, this is the Fight Sights MMA podcast. It's very well organized. It's very <laughs> professional. I would say. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's just probably the best one. Um, would you agree?
0: Yeah, I'd agree. Mostly because this is the one I'm listening to most consistently because I'm on it. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah, we do, we do a good job. We have fun here. Uh, thanks for joining us once again, especially on this off week. Because I know I haven't been listening to a lot of podcasts this time. There haven't been. This summer is incredibly yeah. uninspiring. So we're going to have to find ways to entertain ourselves and you.
1: Yeah, we got another week until the uh, Poy and McGregor 3 card, which, funny enough, like, it's not that rich in content <laughs> just because, like, n- we already picked Dustin Poy to win the second time, and my rationale hasn't really changed because it happened. Yeah, we just saw it.
0: Yeah,
1: it's, going to be hard to squeeze a lot of insight out of that one, but we'll try. And there's also going to be a Burns versus Thompson, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's like a legit contender fight at Welterweight, which uh I thought they weren't doing those. It's but very weird. There rare. you go. There's one.
0: <laughs> but
1: uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about some event results. And otherwise we'll just talk about whatever we want. Uh before we do events, do you have anything you wanna get off your chest?
0: Uh no. Um You're allowed I, to say no. Yeah, <laughs> I can't I can't think of a single thing I wanna say at this point. It's actually it's really because I usually have opinions about everything. But Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything everything coming up is just there i have they'll, no strong they'll come feelings. out as we uh as
1: That's we discuss true. fights you'll think of things you want to talk about
0: yeah it's no good to have a jumping off point
1: around uh, i have confessions not really confessions just things to say um they're really like the opposite of confessions it's just me like hyping us up but um <laughs> we're doing a lot of stuff lately and i feel like just based on numbers, that more people are aware of this podcast and listen to this podcast than consume any of our other content. Like, do the people who listen to this podcast read stuff on the website? Do you do that, podcast listener? Um, do you notice the other shows that come out across your podcast feed? Because it's not like this is the only one on the channel. Obviously, there's a lot of podcasts that come out every week. Some of them are connected to Patreon-exclusive shows, so maybe are like, oh, I can't listen to you describe a video, uh, although some of you do do that and uh, we get We chide help.
0: you for it all the time.
1: Yeah, chide, that's a good word. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff, so I'm just you know curious as to if our podcast listeners are aware of everything else that's going on, but uh, we finished up our Top 5 Greatest Fights of All Time series, which is pretty cool. Well, there's still one piece missing, uh, the commentary video for the last fight uh, for yeah. number one, which is uh, of course jose Aldo versus chad mendez too from ufc 179 yeah um, i'm looking for a place to download it from <laughs> ufc fight of all time yeah you are still working on that yeah, yeah I, the I don't worst want to comes screen worse record. is i set up my uh <laughs> i set up my computer to screen record for like 45 minutes, minutes or whatever yeah. <laughs> it ends
0: up taking it's wild uh wild. Yeah. yeah so we are very well, well organized there.
1: but mm-hmm.
0: uh yeah so. this is
1: the real reason things take so long to come out they've <laughs> been they've been done weeks ago which
0: is a matter of actually
1: <laughs> making them palatable
0: happen yeah Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: what else we got youtube videos yeah youtube videos yeah we have two youtube channels did you know that bet you didn't know that oh, the I main that. one that you probably follow <laughs> that used to be ryan's channel it's the one that we post most of our breakdown videos on in the shorts and then we have another channel called the fight site presents where we do anything that's longer than like eight minutes. Um, so that's usually like little podcast clips or like discussion panels. Um, last thing that went up there was uh Tumen did a podcast. he did his Tengredome podcast with Connor Rebush from heavy hands. And they talked about uh, fighters and personalities and how personality informs style. It was really, it was really interesting. Um, and they had a really, unique dynamic between them because human was really intent on bullying connor and connor was just trying to kill him with kindness and not not get bullied like t- tried to talk him out of bullying him and it was just uh quite the spectacle check that out
0: yeah i mean we should probably have like some sort of code word in here just so that like people who have actually done it or like listened to the end can like tweet it at us and be like you know i don't know i can't think of one so that's probably a stupid idea but...
1: what what do they get for that they don't just get them. our, our don't recognition
0: get yeah just it's like a thing youtube <laughs> does they enter do. them
1: into a raffle
0: yeah a <laughs> raffle and if you win we give you nothing
1: uh ronan if you're listening to this uh dm me with the phrase uh my kano is bad and uh <laughs> oh, no. he'll be entered into a raffle
0: So <laughs> <laughs> one person raffle only for ronan we love you ronan
1: yeah but, yeah I always speak directly to him in our podcast because I know he's listening.
0: <laughs> I think that's enough entertaining ourselves for now. So what happened over the last couple of days?
1: Uh, well, a bunch of things happened over the past couple of days, and I can only, I'm can i only qualified to speak about a little bit of it, but Same. hopefully you'll fill in some gaps for me. So here's something neither of us can talk about. Uh, <laughs> Ryzen happened on... Uh, I don't even know what day it was. It happened this week. <laughs> <laughs> this past week, rather. And it was headlined by a kickboxing match, so I don't know what to say about that. And I recognize a few names that competed. Um, Iminari is old. Um, so obviously he's not like really beating anybody anymore, but he did some Iminari, th- Iminari things. Um, Yusuke Yashi, who I thought had a lot of potential at one point. Now I don't really feel that way anymore. Uh, he won. He's a crazy B guy, so you know, it's... You feel like he can get something there, but he, he didn't really... Uh, improve very much and that those are the only two people I actually know anything about so do you have anything to add about the Ryzen event?
0: <laughs> nah, you probably knew more about it than I do uh, since you know I'm in America it's hard to watch live and uh, that, that's pretty much the only reason I actually like pretty much all the stuff I see from there uh, when I bother to catch up on it but this is one where I have not so
1: for sure yeah i used to watch ryzen pretty regularly like for a short period like i watched a bunch of events in a row and it's just it's hard it's yeah. really hard to watch it live and then you know watching it afterwards it's like the experience of watching the event uh is is part of it you know what i mean it's not like a ufc event where you just go grab the fights afterward and you're like okay i got it i have the experience like there's a whole production show that goes along with ryzen like if you're in it yeah, every fight like feels like okay something's gonna happen here But, like, just going back, like, not really knowing what happened in the fights and you don't know what to watch. And, like, it's harder to get motivated to do that. And just logistically, it's difficult to watch them live. So I just kind of dropped off. Plus, I think they, um, you know, during COVID, they they scaled it down a good bit, obviously. Um, It's interesting that, you know, that's a a reasonable thing to expect from an MMA MMA organization. I said MNA again. (laughs) And Tumans going to see it. He's going to hear it. He's going to make fun of me for my (laughs) speech impediment. Uh, but yeah, you would expect most organizations to like go through a lapse and not be as good um, before, like you know, during and after COVID. But uh, most of the ones that we're familiar with, you know, Bellator, UFC, PFL, uh, not Ryzen, but mostly you know, <laughs> North American ones are doing pretty much normal. I don't know if they're doing well, but it, it seems pretty normal. Um, there's definitely a huge adjustment period. When it first happened, and the UFC was the first one I believe to continue putting on events, which yep, um, they shouldn't have done that. But it, it was
0: reckless, but it worked, I guess.
1: It was good for the fighters because it gave the fighters an opportunity to make money. You know, they still have their jobs, but in a real business, you know, in a real job, if they're if you know they can't operate and they're still open and they're not closing or anything like that, I mean, you could lay people off, but there there should have been some sort of. Um, like PFL did stipends, uh, there just should have been some sort of, uh, safety net for the fighters because it's just, obviously we talked about this a million times in many different forms of media, but it's, it's ridiculous that they're considered contractors. Obviously they're, they're assigned to exclusive contracts. So it's like, you're, they're your employees. <laughs> they can't work anywhere else. They have all you, they have all these things that they need to do for you. You have rules for them when they're not competing, like they're your employees. So you treat them like employees, but... I don't know. Yeah. How'd um, I get there? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Rising a little slow. <laughs>
0: yeah, that is the the vast majority of whether someone's an employee or independent contractor is the amount of control that their employee has over what they do. And uh, I mean, you could consider independent contracting if you just control their if you just consider their job the fighting, like the UFC can't step in and make them fight a certain way. But the fact that they're on the clock and have to respond to Usada at all times kind of kills that. So yeah it's weird uh we can get back to ryzen now but it's it's no, very I, weird that was all i had to
1: say about ryzen we can move to uh to pfl um i watched half of this pfl card and then i went back and i watched the uh palmer kai fight uh the next day just because i wanted to see what happened there and did you catch did you catch any of this card
0: uh i caught very little of it i've for some reason like i watched the um i think it was two weeks ago the konchenko fight and i just tuned out uh it's uh-huh. weird <laughs> so maybe it just depressed me too much but
1: who knows you do you do get depressed from fights so do i but konchenko is not somebody i have any particular attachment to in fact, well, I, mean, that in fact for him, huge, I was so. happy to see it because he robbed Thiago Alves, and this is karma not Fair that he enough. got robbed in that fight really but <laughs> i just want bad things to happen to him because uh, but, uh, but you Alves. see, he's
0: been robbed twice in the UFC, and he robbed someone once. So he was uh, good luck.
1: It's not an eye for an eye. It's, it's three eyes for an eye. Boss Rutten, I think, said two eyes for an eye, but I say 3 <laughs> Yeah, got to kick it up a notch. Um, Where's the third yeah, eye? I, I, I did watch uh, a, Yeah, it's, uh, it's inside you. Um, <laughs> PFL was interesting. It was... Half the card was heavyweights and women's lightweights which I know sounds like the worst thing yeah. to ever happen in history. It actually was doable. I, I didn't have a hard time watching it. I wasn't paying close attention, but it was fine. I mean, um, it would almost and have I to had, be
0: better than expected.
1: Yeah, and then in the main three fights, they had uh, Pettis versus Hoshman Feo and uh, Mowgli Habilaya versus uh, Lance Palmer, and the main event was uh, Kayla Harrison versus Cindy Dandois, and Harrison took her down and submitted her in a round, obviously. But... Yeah. Just a little interesting thing watching the uh, the women's lightweights is I didn't feel that they were good necessarily, definitely not that. I didn't feel like they were much worse than women's bantamweights. I felt like I felt like I was watching women's bantamweights. Like it didn't feel like a markedly different level, and I'm thinking that when we talk about why women's MMA is where it is, obviously it started later. Um, So just as a, you know, sport that builds upon its competition, it's had less time to do that, to build up competitors and and create a more competitive environment and raise everybody's level. But also like, who who are you training with you know what i mean and do coaches take you seriously and how useful are you in the gym to get attention because like with a male fighter if you're talented and you know your stuff you're pretty much always going to be able to find a place um where, where you can get some attention and, and get uh you know developed and get invested in but with women like obviously that's much more difficult uh to even get there in the first place let alone get the attention um that you need to continue to develop but with larger women with, with women's 155ers I feel like they can give work to to more people because typically when you train with women in a grappling environment at least, um, there is a bit of an inherent strength discrepancy a lot of the time, not all of the time, but a lot of the time. Like Mark Bocek, um, obviously bigger than Sarah McMahon, he, he said that Sarah McMahon felt so weak to him. When he grappled with her, and he was a one fifty five er, and she's obviously a women's one thirty five er, but also, she's an Olympic silver medalist, uh, and that should, you know, be. And you've seen her; she's she's jacked as crazy. Yeah, jacked. she's so, super
0: strong compared to the rest of the field.
1: With that weight discrepancy, like yeah, you'd expect him to be stronger, but just like to not really feel anything from her at all is pretty wild. Like a one thirty five er, male, uh, in a similar boat, like you know, compared to his peers, and, and with that kind of you know, credentials. You would expect Mark Project to have a pretty tough time with them. Uh and Mark Project's a good grappler obviously, but that's just always the example I think of, like, wow. And, you know, I've I've felt it too. Um I've trained with like good, you know, in shape, like athletic women and like felt like I was cheating. Um because I, I just it's just, it's just I don't know, it's just different. Um but anyway, that that's a good example because these heavier women might be finding a better niche in the gym. Um, and they might, you know, get a little bit more attention and their coaches might take them more seriously. Um, so it might not be the same kind of drop off, um, as there is going up in weight to the, the extreme end of weight, uh, for fighting as there is in, in the men's. And, um, I don't know, even though the pool is like way smaller than it would be for men's heavyweight, but it was just interesting to me to watch uh, these fights and like these these women didn't have good records. Um, they weren't, like, the best <laughs> women's 155 ers I don't think, unless they just only fight each other. So that's why the records are like that, but I don't know. I was watching them, and I was like, this is not, like, a markedly worse level of MMA. Do you have any thoughts about that?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd argue that it's probably offset by just the uh, the size of the pool being way smaller. Like, there's a reason women's 115 is by far the deepest weight class in the sport, uh, or at least, you know, in women's MMA, and uh, a lot of people are a lot more fans of uh, 105 being open than 145 being open in the UFC, right. because it's it's tougher to find talent the larger you go. But it's also true that they're probably a bit more equipped to, like, deal with, uh, to be to be able to train meaningfully. I'm not really sure if... Okay, I'll put it this way. It, it's tough to see the UFC in particular, or any promotion having a particularly deep women's lightweight field but i do think it's very possible that like i mean we've already seen kayla harrison who at the very least is even not just for women's 155 right for women's mma she's a solid fighter for sure
1: yeah and yeah
0: if if that can happen it, it proves that it's not axiomatically true that women's 155 just has to be the absolute pits compared to all of women's mma Um, It's just Mm -hmm. that, you know, when you go from 115 to 125, there's a decent drop-off in skill, in my opinion. Then you go up to 135, and there's another, like, decent drop-off that turns into, like, 115 being way better than 135. But I think after that, it's probably just going to be how much weight do you want to cut, which kind of, like... It it accounts for 155 not necessarily being too much worse than 135, because it's tough enough to find people at 135, right? And uh, yeah. 155, it's just people who want to be healthier slash get a bit more jacked. So it makes
1: sense. Yeah, that is a common entryway uh, for women's MMA. But I, I feel like it happens a decent amount in men's too, but probably just at for a sure. yeah. uh, lower rate. But I don't know. I just, and, you know, huge shout out to uh, some of the people in our Discord server who kind of nudged us to, it's not that we didn't think these things already. It's just, you know, Joke, jokingly we can you know be kind of like whatever when the, with the women's fights because you, you know they're of a voice quality um but without explaining this kind of thought process about why we feel that it is that way um people can come to their own conclusions and yeah, think sure. that it's just like that we don't think women can be good i mean it's like it's a really similar thing uh with like men's heavyweight uh or men's you know upper weights where we there are other reasons other than you know inherent things about being that size that you know make it be this way and I guess uh you know what Hackster Eyes and Tumen those those guys would always say is it's a it's an institutional uh, problem but I'm not smart enough to explain it that way so I, I take the long the long way around. But yeah, I just I don't know. I was just watching that and I, I, I was getting weird weird uh feelings that they were surpassing my expectations. Um, and I, I set the bar low for sure. But uh, just a couple of quick shout outs is uh Taylor Gardado, turns out of uh, extreme couture, she's a wrestler um her I, I want to say brother-in-law or, or something like that I talked to him about it when, when I talked to him but I forget already but uh Gil Gardado <laughs> who is the strength and conditioning coach at Extreme Couture he was on uh, a podcast with us uh, a panel discussion about strength and conditioning in MMA that was really good go check that out um he was on that with uh, me and Zach Makovsky uh but yeah she uh, she had like a really nice wrestling based game plan and like she I don't know she's she's fought a really good fight like it was pretty clean Um, and just she clearly was well schooled and had a lot of neat, uh, wrestling things she could do, and it was better than a lot of what I see, (laughs) (laughs) uh, in women's MMA, uh, regardless of weight, with the comments to wrestling. So I appreciated that. And her opponent was, uh, pretty good at being annoying about it, uh, not, not getting, you know, (laughs) dominated in, in top game and trying to be annoying on the feet. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, uh, but she made it look pretty easy. So that was cool. Um, Jessica Andrade coached this uh, woman, uh, Mariana Moraes, She coached her up to beat Caitlin Young. Uh, Caitlin Young has been, like, the same level of... The same level. I'm not going to label it. But she's (laughs) been the same for the past, like, five or six years, which is pretty impressive because she's been pro since 2007. I think she had a kickboxing career before that. Um, I know her from Ryzen, basically. Um, But that was pretty cool. Uh, And then for the heavyweights... Also, uh, it's Larissa Pacheco, who used to fight in UFC at 135, I think, uh, she got, like, a standing knockout that was pretty cool. Um, and there was, another, there was another standing knockout on Bellator, right? Liz Carmouche uh, finished uh, kinda Watanabe on the feet. Yeah. Um, like, literally on the feet. <laughs> so, I don't know. It was kind of a good weekend for, for women's MMA, and obviously you know, Kayla Harrison showcased in the main event. And with regard to the upper weights, uh, the heavyweights at watch, uh, they were pretty disappointing. Um, I feel like there's been a wave recently of people watching the UFC events seeing, like, lower-ranked or unranked heavyweights and been like, hey, these guys uh, are, are watchable, and that's been, like, an exciting thing for a lot of people. We talked about Carla's Carlos' boy, Felipe. Felipe. <laughs> 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 uh, but I don't know. Also, like, people seem to like... Um,
0: Jared Van Der that's one.
1: Who would he fight? Uh, I don't
0: last? remember who he fought. I remember... He looked like Pacific Islander
1: fella. Uh, but he'd be Was a, it Taffa? It might have been Adam. Taffa. Justin Taffa yeah, I think that's who it was but uh like that fight was pretty normal looking um yeah in, in a lot of ways and I think people were, were hype about that the heavyweights you know looking like a little more confident these days uh not in PFL it, <laughs> it's just, this guy uh Ferrera Ferreira he Faheya rather he like kind of beat Verdoom, I think did, did uh did he tap and then he knocked yeah. out Verdum yeah or, he was like, in the tr- trunk
0: yeah, he was in a triangle and apparently he tapped and then he punched for a Doom out when he loosened it. So it turned into a no contest. Nice.
1: Cool. I'm glad you knocked him out, though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I watched his fight against uh, this other fella who was apparently a grappler. And, like, oh, you didn't look like a grappler. Uh, I was confused as to what his game was because he was just kind of getting beat up. But, I mean, under duress, Handout uh, and Fahea's game did not hold up. Whatsoever, and he uh, he gasped pretty hard, I believe, if I'm remembering, remembering correctly. So that was like that's probably the best heavyweight in PFL, except uh, I don't remember if Ali Saib's a heavyweight or not. But they're pretty bad there. Um, so uh, someone in the UFC, like I don't know, Tanner Bowser could go to PFL and he might be able to make a million dollars. Test Ben's for, theory. Yeah, he's better than
0: eighty five percent of heavyweights.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, here's something that happened. Uh, this guy is, like, not popular, but I see him around on uh, MMA Twitter, Chandler Cole. He got a shot in PFL. Uh, he got be- beat up really badly. Um, he had a really, oh, really rough true. performance. So, yeah I, yeah, I wasn't, like, I didn't have expectations, but I'm like, it'd be cool if, like, a guy that I've, like, I think I'm mutuals with him. Like I've talked to him before. Uh, one, but he fought this guy who's been around forever. This, uh, I see, Croatian? No, he's not Croatian. He's something. <laughs> something Eastern European. No, he is Croatian. I I, I know flags nice Um, he beat him up uh yeah bruno capolosa he was in rising he uh he knocked this dude out with a head kick that was cool he got a nice finish um mm -hmm. there's another knockout before that but what i really want to talk about is two very sad performances um one is anthony pettis losing to houseman field again i just think he can't really sustain any sort of game plan anymore i think he uh most of his dynamism is gone, Anthony Pettis, and he's just, uh... All, all the things that worked on him in the past are just going to work on him even better uh, now, and he's capable of flashes of, like, looking physically like he's there, but I just don't think it's anything he can he can sustain for any long periods of time, so uh, having expectations for Anthony Pettis anymore is probably probably a mistake.
0: Yeah, I agree. I saw a lot of people score this fight for him. I think round three was a 10-8, uh, or one of the rounds was a 10-8, but... Um... Yeah, Anthony Pettis already, like, extended his quote-unquote prime a little bit longer than it should have been by taking his game from, like, Mm -hmm. super dynamic kicker guard player to being actually a pretty solid counterpuncher. Like, you know, he was always a decent counterpuncher, but that was his game for a little bit uh, in the latter stages of his UFC run, and he had some pretty clever performances against both Alex Morono and Donald Cerrone. Uh, Not, you know, amazing Anthony Pettis classic-type performances, but performances that he could, like, be proud of given that he's old, uh but counter punching. Yeah. I mean, I think that stage is probably over. Like, the, the comparison that I've made several times with Anthony Pettis is Shogun. Uh, but even if you yeah. put Shogun and the adaptations he made down in lightweight, it would not work so well. Uh, especially with that... I, I don't think Pettis has declined physically nearly as much. Uh, but, you know, he's still old. And even without the knee surgeries, he's always had some brittleness to him. Uh, so... Mm-hmm. It's tough. I mean, I've always liked watching Anthony Pettis, and I never expect... Like, at this point, I think one of the things that UFC is sneakily very good at is figuring out exactly when their uh, the contract should run out. Like, when a guy's yeah. <laughs> about to go right off a hill, they're just like, okay, cut him loose. Which, I mean, if they had that sort of, you know, nose for good prospects, they'd be going a lot further than they are. But uh, I think... After he left the UFC, it was tough to have a ton of expectations for him. Even with like you know more lax drug testing and all, uh, it, it's tough. Mm-hmm. He's old. Uh, he's had a lot of miles on him from a lot of tough fights, and he's had a great career. But uh, uh, it's oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, guys are approaching him well now too. Like Clay Collard and madfield had the right idea, uh, just generally to deal with Anthony Pettis, and even the fact that it worked was based on his physical decline probably. But you have to give them a little bit of credit for it.
1: Of course, of course, yeah. And Memphis has been around a while. He's had some decent wins uh, in his career at the regional level, but you know, it's Anthony Pettis. You're expecting a lot, and yeah. it's just not. It's not okay to do that anymore. So, uh, not not R.I.P. necessarily, because I think if they start matching, I mean, that's the thing. I was gonna say if they start matching him up a little bit more fairly at this point now um you can get some good action fights out of him but that's kind of what they're doing now and they are getting good action fights out of him he's just not, he's just not winning, winning them yeah <laughs> which is really hurting the ability to do more of them um but in pfl's format he could just be a roster lightweight and just be in their tournaments and i don't know maybe he'll have a good tournament one year and win a million dollars but he probably doesn't not hurting for money but uh speaking of people who are badly faded uh, Lance Palmer looked atrocious, dude. So I haven't watched him in a while just because his career has bored me because uh, it's just so repetitive. Um, yeah. The fights are repetitive and the results are repetitive. And it's just like, oh, my God, enough. Um, <laughs> like, when he beat Andre Harrison, I was like, okay, big respect. Big respect to you. Um, he, he beat a bunch of good guys in that run around 2018, and that was after he had lost to, like, uh, de Almeida and, and Andre Harrison. Um and he's like, all right, you know, Palmer's not, not the big fish in the little pond anymore. That was still World Series of Fighting. But as soon as PFL happened, the million dollar format, he was like, not perfect, but, you know, within his game plan, within his game, uh, pretty much flawless, uh, just doing exactly what he does. And, uh, yeah, he he's won the tournament twice, I believe. So he's made $2 million <laughs> at least from uh, PFL. And I think he's uh, a business minded person. And I think that you know team alpha male guys are typically good about making their money go a long way because you know all the things you want to say about Faber, yeah he's he's pretty good with money um it's because you know stingy and a bastard but (laughs) i think he teaches teaches them a decent amount anyway um and and palmer's like connected in the wrestling community he's like from a wrestling family and he he knows people like uh, he'll be fine uh so basically i think he's packed it in um and like he didn't like physically look like he wasn't capable of doing stuff anymore he just like did not look sharp or like interested in trying to do things that often like he really he was really inactive um in this fight and Mowgli just like fought pretty normally it wasn't any like specialized game plan He just like pressured with combinations when he felt like it and landed them uh, you know shot on him when he wanted to and finished pretty much everything he wanted to and and rode him and ground about him like just basically did everything he wanted to Uh, and Lance Palmer didn't really do anything at all so it's like uh how interested is he in winning tough fights probably not at all which I do not blame you um like the Bubba Jenkins fight Started getting out-wrestled pretty early, I think, and it was just like, all right, whatever. <laughs> this is how it is. I think there might have been a personal element to that because those guys have history from wrestling in college, yeah. but he's, I think he's uh, mentally checked out. So physically, even if he might be able to put another few wins together, I just don't think he wants to. And, uh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I, w- I would not even have taken more fights. I've I'd, I'd been done already.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, with $2 million, it's tough. Although, I mean, he probably didn't see all of it, but he probably has over a million now at least. So, there's something. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: How do you feel about PFL?
0: Uh, I feel like the format's kind of weird. Uh, all the, um, the stats are dumb, but the roster is getting there. Um, yeah. It's weird. Like it, it kind of feels bellatory, but it doesn't deserve to feel mm-hmm. bellatory, if that makes sense like all the pageantry just makes it seem a lot less legitimate than it is but uh they've come up with at least like a sensible matchmaking criterion after a certain point that i respect um yeah like most promotions don't even have that and the fights tend to be at at the very least okay it's just that like the guys that they're picking up that i tend to know tend to look a bit weird there which is hurting my perception of them more than it should like it's not their fault obviously that's
1: that's pretty bellator (laughs) yeah exactly that's why it
0: feels bellator (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, I, I'm rooting for them. Like, I, I like tournaments in general. It's just they're hard to do because, you know, MMA mm-hmm. has a lot of entropy and guys take a ton of damage and get a lot of injuries. So the fact that they've kept it up past all that is pretty impressive to me from that perspective. Uh, and, you know, there's a good there's a good amount of talent that they could still pick up.
1: Yeah, I, I think they're growing. And the, the million-dollar prize format, when they first announced that, myself and a million other people were like, there's no way that's actually going to (laughs) happen. Like, an MMA promotion is not going to pay out a million dollars for whoever wins this tournament. And apparently, they they do. They really do. And they have a lot of celebrity investors, a lot of, like, high-profile investors like Kevin Hart. I think they just have a lot of money coming in right now. They're probably not profitable. Um, So, they are essentially the startup of MMA promotions. So, they're going to try a lot of risky things, and they're going to grow quickly, and they're going to keep getting new rounds of investments, and they're going to go... For a while, but uh, I mean, partnered up with Ali Abdelaziz, which obviously is terrible, <laughs> but for them, it's smart. Um, if you need to grow a roster for, relatively quickly, you have this guy who has all the talent, especially all of the, you know, actually elite adjacent talent, <laughs> talent, you know, that's not in the UFC because yeah. he's got all these uh, fighters from the Caucasus in that region on his you know, on his roster, essentially. So you seem to just slot him right in. It's like, hey, want to be in a tournament? a million dollars and I was like yeah Um, so that's that's pretty cool that there is that avenue I mean that's like the best career option in MMA I've ever seen Uh, because some of these tournaments aren't that deep so you can like get really good it's like okay just go win this tournament once make smart investments and retire from being an MMA fighter like you could have like a five-year career I uh, was get in there, get it done, and get out. Like yeah. it never works that way, obviously. But like this is really an opportunity for people to have short MMA careers, which I feel like, given the nature of MMA careers, is a really smart thing to aim for.
0: For sure. <laughs> I mean, it's tough to blame anyone for selling their soul by going with Ali Abdullahi's, be it a fighter or a promotion. Right. Just because, like, that's kind of what you're doing. Like, literally, it's. Uh, he's. Uh, He's a terrible person, obviously, but uh, he Mm -hmm. definitely gets results. And uh, PFL being, as you mentioned, a startup, they don't have the resources to turn down an opportunity like that. So I'm like, I'm judging them a little bit, but not a whole lot. Uh, And I mean, if it turns into more talent, maybe they can grow beyond needing that. But for now, I understand. And yeah, the million dollars thing, I mean, they probably still don't see all of it just because, you know, taxes. But it's as close to an effort as paying fighters. well. Yeah, I mean theft. Legalized <laughs> theft. <laughs> the government's mandate of violence is completely unethical. That that is my political statement of the day. But nice. Yeah, I mean, even so, getting like what six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars after all the taxes, oh, yeah, camp amazing. fees. Yeah, much better than the average MMA payday. Like for a whole career. So yeah,
1: imagine trying to get up to that kind of pace here in the UFC as like a debuting fighter. You can in in less than a year, you can go from. You know, Chandler Cole signed to PFL to a guy who has a million dollars um, yeah. in a really short amount. of time. obviously that hasn't, I don't think that's really happened yet. Well, you know what? No, like the first season, I don't know who they had, but like Natan Schulte or Shoulder however it's pronounced, like he, he kind of came out of nowhere, right? I and mean, he won it twice, didn't he?
0: Yeah, I definitely don't remember hating him before PFL, but I definitely Like, all him of a sudden, he had a full
1: <laughs> MMA career's worth of accomplishments and money, and that happened in a very short period of time. I want to look at this right now, because I think that might be the best case study for this. Um, but also, I mean, this is not PFL, but, like, World Series of Fighting. A similar thing happened with Marlon Moraes, Like, he kind of popped up. He was yeah. really good. Justin Gaethje just kind of popped up, and, like, they they, they built stars really quickly. Um World Series of Fighting. They have... Some, something's right with that model, and a lot of it might be the presentation. Although, like you said, some of the pageantry is dumb. The stats are really dumb. Uh, this thing they're doing now, where they have these guys talk about gambling in between <laughs> each fight, that is atrocious.
0: I mean, the UFC's um, trying that, too. It's it's awful.
1: Yeah. Uh, Natan Schulte debuted in, P- in World Series of Fighting and lost his first fight um, in 2017 to Islam Mamedev, which is fine. Um, and then his next fight was at the the PFL tournament and then he won it. <laughs> it's like he went from being 0-1 in the promotion uh, to winning the tournament in a year. Um, and he won again. <laughs> so, uh, that That's pretty amazing for sure. So I really enjoy that PFL exists for that reason. I just think uh, it would be way more interesting if they had more fighters that I
0: cared about. Yeah, I think the UFC needs competition <laughs> that looks like that. Um. You know, mm-hmm. like, Bellator has a lot of the same pitfalls because they're, like, as different as they are, it's a similar structure. You know, show, win, uh, each fight is, like, distinct, the matchmaking's always weird. The belt, like, they've introduced rankings now, which makes it a little bit more sensible. But even there, it's like...
1: But the rankings are ridiculous. Exactly. They're exactly, rankings they're exactly as bad as the UFC is, if not worse. I think they might be worse, yeah. <laughs> so, like... There's some crazy stuff there. It's really a reflection of how Bellator treats the fighters. Yeah. Uh, Like Michael Venom Page being ranked really high. It's like, based on what?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, like, the competition being, like, basically just mini UFC, it doesn't really give the fighters a ton of opportunities. uh, Because, you know, if you look at someone like Corey Anderson going to Bellator, yeah, he's going to get paid well because he has the name of being a former UFC fighter and a top contender. But the average fighter can't really do that. Where with PFL, as you mentioned, it's like there's a lot of, you get in, you win a couple fights, you're guaranteed a huge payday. And a lot of, and, like, if more fighters went there, I think you'd get the UFC having to step up their pay game just to make sure a lot of people don't take that gamble. Like, these guys are still getting a purse for fighting. They're not just getting the million dollars. They're I don't know if they're able to make a, make a living, but the, the fact that fighters always think they're going to win is what the UFC preys on with the show-win structure, and PFL is just doing an elevated version of that. So if more good fighters were there, that, that'd that be a, a, a real competitor.
1: Yeah, I'd like to see what they're getting paid per fight, um, if it's competitive, with it's, like, regional-level promotions. Because if you have, like, basically... Uh, You know, high upper level regional level competition. Uh, I'd say at least national level competition is pretty good. Um, And then, like, the pay is reflective of like an LFA or something, probably better than that. LFA, I don't like pays very well. Um, But I don't know, something that pays decently, Uh, something with that pay structure. But then there's the incentive for millions, and I'm sure they have something built into their contracts where if you're in the playoffs, you know, things are more valuable, hopefully. but, yeah, I'd like to see what those numbers are. Uh, for Bellator, yeah, it's like I think they do basically the same model as the UFC. <laughs> um, but it's just another place you can go where you can be a little bit worse and <laughs> uh, get, get a similar kind of treatment, obviously less, a, a, at a lesser rate. Um, but speaking of Bellator, this past event, I didn't watch it. <laughs> there were some results that, that interest me. Uh, Tim Johnson did not become their heavyweight champion, unfortunately. It's a shame. Uh, he lost so, uh, a Fedor protege. Uh, Valentin moldovsky so you know r.i.p and volkov lost so my, my volkov tim johnson pipeline to the titles uh is gone now <laughs> and uh not that i really wanted it to happen but it would have been really funny if volkov became ufc champion and tim johnson became bellator champion then we could say linearly like you know bellator champion is better than the ufc champion because yeah, of course tim johnson beat volkov
0: yeah it'd be a sergio moreno situation <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's what we have right now. That's so true. <laughs> um, there you go. There's the facts. Uh, but yeah, we said Lee, Liz Carmouche knocked out Watson Watanabe. That's, that's cool for her. Yeah. Happy for her. She's a cool person. Um, Sydney Outlaw, who we've interviewed for uh, the discussion on race panel, uh, and also he is a patron of Ben's Beef Jerky, which apparently associates people with the site somehow. I don't know if you know that, <laughs> but uh, we have to be your friend if you buy Ben's Beef Jerky. Um, but he, uh, he finished Miles Jury. He, uh, choked him out. And I well, I don't know if people are aware of what his game is, but he is a grappler. He is a top player. Um, he trained out of, uh, Nick Catone's gym and, like, those, uh, like, the Almeida family of gyms, uh, with, like, Frank Yeager and all those guys. He trained there for a while. He's from Philly. Um, and then he trained at ATT for a while since then. So, he he's a good grappler. Um, yeah, he finished Miles Jury. That's pretty impressive, right? Like, submitting him. I don't think that's happened very much. Oliveira did it. Um, anybody else?
0: Uh, I don't I believe so. I mean, Miles Jury is a broadly competent fighter, and I'm pretty sure he's a decent grappler.
1: Uh, yeah, no, it's yeah. the second time he's
0: been subbed. Yeah. I mean, I remember he lost Andre Feely on his way out, I think, but that was a fun fight. It was relatively competitive until, like, yeah, the Yeah, it was end. pretty competitive. I think Jury dropped him, which is pretty impressive. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, losing to guys like Mendez, Feely, uh, th- that's, like, solid UFC top 15-ish level, and Sydney Acklaw just kind of crushed it, so good stuff.
1: Yeah, cool for him. Uh,
0: A fight that we thought was
1: going to be decently high-level, Daniel Weichel versus Keone Diggs apparently was very competitive, and uh, maybe something I'll go back and watch, Uh, but yeah, Weichel won by by split decision, but uh, yeah, I'll I'll check that out, because Keone Diggs is younger than him, I'm assuming. No, he is 34. Well, I don't know if there's a reason to watch it, then. Faisal's <laughs> 36. Uh, he, he's, like, a prospect, but I think he's someone that kind of came into the sport late, Diggs is. So, um, that's basically all I have to say. Uh, Fresno State wrestler Isaiah Hoke got knocked out in 10 seconds. Uh, his brother is much better than him at sports, but <laughs> it's still funny. Uh, <laughs> that, that's a, a D1 wrestler. Uh, lost their de- their MMA debut like that, because all the time we like joke about how unfair it is that these people are getting matched up with D1 wrestlers, but uh, sometimes it doesn't pan out, so there you go. Um, but that's the Bellator event for me. Is there anything else in there that struck you?
0: No, that's pretty much everything. I mean, I I'm, I'm mostly just was looking forward to a Jury and Veishal, and those ended up in different ways. Uh, didn't watch any of it, but, you know, saw the results, and it's interesting enough. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not a ton on the UFC card either. Pretty light week for combat sports in general, right?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. It doesn't hurt that I didn't watch most of it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess so it's guess a check of but I can't say about. anything about it. But. Nope. If we had a boxing podcast, it looks <laughs> about it there. But, oh, who who will do it? Who will record a boxing podcast for us? I I wonder if anyone will do that. We've had more of a boxing department lately, though. They've been... Uh, picking it up but by them it's mostly just a uh, dan albert like yeah like two people uh but they're getting there they're getting there i know there's a decent amount of people that want to follow the site for boxing coverage and it's just like i can't do it other people are gonna have to do it and i try to get them to do it and it's hard it's hard to get these guys to do things it's like herding cats uh sure i'm i keep him on a tight leash you know i keep him with me every week he's he's got responsibilities um but these other guys man it's it's tough it's tough to wrangle him but anyway, UFC event. Uh, shall we go bottom to top?
0: Uh, what was on the bottom? Let's take a look. Uh, uh,
1: Bad Demir versus Yancy Medeiros. That was a a very uh, action-packed fight. Uh,
0: you said that you didn't watch the main card, right?
1: I did not watch the main yeah. card. Yeah, I did not watch. That's the why prelims. I'm starting with the early prelims. Because, yeah. Okay, then we'll each. So I'll I'll good. do my half, and you do your <laughs> half. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't watch all the Demir prelims Yancy, either. But- yeah, it was it was competitive. Um, they both got dead tired after like a round and a half, <laughs> and then they were just kind of fighting tired. But uh, Demir was better at it, and Gansey looked pretty slow and shop worn. Uh, definitely rallied a bit because Demir is pretty raw defensively, um, and they grappled a decent amount. And Demir almost snatched the defeat out of the jaws of victory at the end. But it it was a lot of stuff happened. But I thought they look, both looked pretty bad for themselves. Uh, not bad, like, flatly, but bad versions of themselves. So that made me not enjoy it that much, but people liked that one. Um, and then <laughs> Justin James, who the bet, 25K bet his entire purse on himself to win after being on a losing streak, lost to Charles Rosa. Now, I understand if you're fighting Charles Rosa, you might think this is the one where I can do something crazy like that. Uh, but you have to, like put a, a fight together on him because he's like competent enough and like annoying enough to draw a bad fight out of you like sure. he can be an outside kicky guy he can th- he can throw punches you know he can grapple he can do most things he's just not really imposing in any one area so you really have to put it together like a game plan put a performance on him and jane's just like burn himself out really quickly and then ended up grappling way more than he wanted to and yeah, heard him shot a takedown prepared to that. do that <laughs> he shot takedown. It's just like he really mismanaged the fight. Um, really did not approach it intelligently, which you would need to do if you place that kind of bet on yourself. But to have placed the bet on yourself in the first place, it would be unfair yeah. to expect you to do something smart in the fight as well. Pretty. I was much. so see flapping her ears. If you heard that,
0: <laughs> yeah, I heard something. I didn't her know head out. Nice.
1: Yeah, it was her ears flapping? uh there was a women's band weight fight and i have nothing to say about it unfortunately i feel like i've exhausted all of my women's mma commentary for the day um the fella that got knocked out by sam alvey uh people are taking a liking to him Uh, martin Prachnio. you you tend to like your polish (laughs) upperweights
0: only one Uh, I've heard things about Prackneo, and I I think I saw the Roundtree fight. It was really weird uh, because, like, Roundtree did basically nothing, and Prackneo just sort of linear kicked him. Yeah, kicked him a lot. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I think this fight, I saw, like, a clip of it where Prackneo hit his body a couple times and then kicked him in the body and Villanueva went down, but I've never thought Villanueva was anything more than, like, a guy who could beat uh, the the one grapply dude and nobody else, so...
1: (laughs) Records aren't always uh, that helpful, but his being close to 500 is a pretty good sign. Yeah. Um, I would say, yeah, Vinicius uh, Mojea is was, I think he was released, but he was probably the worst fighter in the O <laughs> C at one point, um, and that's who he beat. So it's like, okay. Yeah,
0: Villanueva's we'll looking at an MJ record,
1: so... Now yeah, you're the worst fighter in the UFC. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Warley Alves lost, which kind of... I don't care, <laughs> really, but... He, like, did a, a cool thing in his last fight against a guy that people thought was decent in loses, and then he got knocked out in this fight. So, I don't know, and, and I feel sympathy pains for you whenever an old Brazilian loses, even though I know you have no attachment to him particularly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I saw the, the knockout of this one. Um, Wells, like, countered a leg kick with the wide right hand. I think Alves, like, got his head offline, but it, like, intercepted him anyway, and Wells just, like, leapt over him. It was super weird. Yeah, I mean, Alves, I haven't expected anything from him since he lost to Randy Brown. So uh, even the uh, Munir Liz result was kind of surprising to me because I figured it'd be like uh, Alves holding him in the clinch for a bit and Liz ending up taking over like he did against uh, Abdurah Al Hassan. But then Alves just kicked mm. him in the body a couple times and Lezes folded. So, I mean, it had to end at some point. I just never really knew what to make of Jeremiah Wells. So
1: A guy that can punch hard that's that's the Fair minimum enough. that you should make of him um and there might be more and we'll find out next time next episode um Shavkot Rachmanov, he did beat michelle prezerish um i was rooting for prezerish because he's five feet tall uh <laughs> fighting at welterweight and is a uh, fridge and that's pretty amazing but he also hadn't fought since 2019, and his fight in 2019 was the Nardiev fight, where he tricked people into thinking that Nardiev is like good, good. or yeah. a wrestler, and it turned out those things were not true. Like in the very next fight, it didn't take very long, but then people were like, oh no,
0: he's
1: okay. You lost <laughs> the chance run counter, dude. Like, you, you give it up. Yes. Um, it's just because he had Wonder Boy in his nickname. But anyway, uh, Rakmanov is pretty good. I'd say I was doubting the the hype on him just because I didn't find his Alex Cowboy performance to be anything that would make me think he's really good. Um but he's just overall really solid. And uh I, I don't have anything specific to say about him today, but I think, you know, if he beats somebody closer to his proportions <laughs> <laughs> uh in, in a, a fight that I can study a bit more, uh I I would I would have some things to say, but it's just interesting, but he's not like, he's not a particularly dynamic guy, um, which is what you would definitely expect for someone who's finished all of their fights, Um, all finishes, but he's not like this all super dangerous guy. He just, uh, he's very consistent and uh, he applies a pace and he, you know, if people aren't good in an area, he'll exploit it. And usually it's grappling and that's usually where people aren't good. So (laughs) this is uh, a pretty good way to to beat people that uh, have competency holes. So I'd like to see him fight up pretty quickly and just kind of figure out where he's at. But I'll, I'll pay more attention to him now. Did you have thoughts on him before this fight?
0: Uh, not really. All I have to say is Kazakhstan, number one. Um, I don't... I, I saw that he, before the fight, I saw that he had to win over Jun Young Park, who's doing kind of okay now. Uh, of to, The Iron Turtle? Yeah, the Iron Turtle. That's the only reason I even know Why wouldn't
1: him? you just call him the Iron Turtle, man? Like, <laughs> everyone knows that. Because
0: you have to, you have to do the reveal. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's an okay <laughs> win. Probably better than the... Uh, like, given the circumstances of Prezeros, who's, like, incredibly small next to him, like the off was hilarious. is probably a bit more impressive since Park is, like, a middleweight now. But, yeah, I don't really have any thoughts on him, but welterweight isn't super interesting at this point, I don't think. A lot of the prospects have kind of fizzled out. Uh, Luke has made it to top five, but, like, off Woodley, which isn't super impressive... Uh, Jeff Neal is no one of the He's going to beat Case
1: next, though. He's going to be a title contender. You just wait.
0: I mean, fair Luke enough. Luke is getting a title shot. It's weird because like I think everyone gave up on Luke a just because uh, like all the mileage he took and how he looked in the Price rematch, and now he's gotten like two pretty dominant wins, and now he's maybe on par uh, on uh, course for a third. So you know, fair enough. But welterweight doesn't really have enough prospects not to just shoot Rachmanov into like a top fifteen. Yeah, exactly.
1: Fight. Just pretend he's Jemayev. <laughs> do whatever you're going to do with him.
0: I mean, these are definitely better wins than Shamayos.
1: Yeah, <laughs> unironically, they are. Uh, Mirashard, uh, we're not talking about you, man. That's, that's an outlier. Um, so when does the main card start? Uh, in in Shekwu or, or the Moikano fight?
0: Uh, it's the Moikano fight.
1: Well, but... you can just start with the Moikano fight. We just go ahead and yeah. skip over you, <laughs> Kennedy. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, the- you uh, you've you've lost the right to be talked about for a couple of years based on <laughs> your crimes in previous fights.
0: <laughs> you know what you did, uh. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> yeah and I out of my vs. Herbert. This is honestly a fight that I was the most invested in, just because um, was is well, a he's super cool, and b he beat a fighter who I also think is super cool. So I need him to like do well. Uh, but yeah, this was a it was a fight that showed I think some limitations that he could have at lightweight, but also probably the approach that he should be taking a bit more often. Uh, Jai Herbert didn't really give him much resistance. So first of all, uh, Jai Herbert, we saw him in the Trinaldo fight. Not a great wrestler, but we really saw the depths of that here. Uh, Moikano just got to the body lock a, a bunch of times and tripped him out with relatively ease, despite the, uh, the fact that like Moikano, he's used to being a taller fighter, and he was able to just handle Herbert, despite Herbert being taller. Uh, the issues, honestly, were just uh, the, the striking. I think a lot of people, even uh, on our staff, were like, Moicano looks kind of bad on the feet. Um, I think a lot of it is just Herbert's, like, he's not very good, but he is a big lightweight, like, height-wise and range-wise. We saw that against Ronaldo, for instance, who himself is not a small lightweight, and Herbert was, like, way longer. Um, I think Moikanu... His biggest weakness, tending to be pocket defense, and a lot of his defense being, you know, footworky things, means that moving up from one forty five to one fifty five, it tends to be like in one forty five, you can even against the longer featherweights like Calvin Cater, he could counter the step in and step out or step back. Uh, he'd have some insulation there against Jai Herbert. Herbert could just punch straight and hit him. Uh, so you know he wouldn't have to like enter range where Moicano could angle around him or kick him on the entry or check hook him. So I think that gave him a little bit of pause, and I don't think it's an issue that's going to persist. But uh, Moicano's grappling looked pretty good. Um, we saw Herbert keep trying to hip escape out of the mount, and it worked a couple times, and then, uh, Moicano started turning into, like, a leg mount and just recovering the position instantly, uh, elbowed him and beat the shit out of him and Renick choked him.
1: Are so, you saying he put a ride on him?
0: <laughs> yes, that's exactly what he did. Uh, but it was a... Talk style Moicano. Yeah. It was, it was a great fight, uh, for what I wanted to see from Moicano, you know, not a ton of struggle, ate, like, one or two punches, but pretty unavoidable, I guess, and, uh, Jai Herbert tough UFC career, <laughs> I think they wanted him to like do the Leon R D A on uh, Trion on Trinaldo and Moicano, and he just got kind of trashed twice, so it's tough. But Moicano, I- I'm hoping he gets a ranked fight. I don't expect it since the physique loss is like one fight away, but
1: mm-hmm. he could
0: he could beat some ranked guys. I think he could he probably beat Tony Ferguson uh, if no one else.
1: Is that who you would match him up with next?
0: I don't think they're going to do that but if I had my way I think Tony Ferguson Moikano would be nice uh, it, it wouldn't be super violent for Ferguson either uh, but they're probably going to do Ferguson Machachev if Machachev beats Moises
1: how uh, long is that going to be this going to be like a year from now
0: <laughs> uh, yeah next fight Tim Means vs Nicholas Dalby I was honestly too busy gloating about Moykano in the group chat to pay a ton of attention to this one uh, <laughs> uh, one of the guys. we're doing our-
1: a really good job covering the fights this week
0: it's true I watched some of it, and I remember uh, Feno, our video editor guy, he was really, really happy about this one, because he made one on Tim Means, and a commenter was like, hey, make something on someone more interesting. It's like, hey, look, Tim Means is super interesting. I
1: think Julian made it, actually, but oh, Faneo's always yeah. been a big Tim Means guy.
0: Okay, yeah, I mix him. Okay, my bad. Yeah, Well, we have two Racist video editor people, somehow. and both of them like Tim Means. Uh, but, uh, this was a fight for the video editor people. Thank you, Tim Means. Uh, but, mm-hmm. yeah, Nicholas Dalby, I think he's off that Daniel Rodriguez decision, which wasn't necessarily good, uh, so Tim Means winning this one was good. Means kind of crowded him, beat him in the clinch, uh, did some body work, hit some elbows, just normal Means stuff. Uh, I think Dalby had some success late, but I don't really, really remember what it was, so, uh, you know, our very meticulous coverage of this is, uh, it continues. Um, mm-hmm. Andre Feely Fili- vers- yeah. versus Daniel Pineda. This one was a lot of fun, honestly. Feely 10 would him in the first round. Uh, lots of really nice combos into kicks uh, early, Hit, hurt him with the body kick, hurt him with the flurry early. I, I remember Pineda had like, so one thing about Pineda is I think he's really, really aware of his limitations, which is rare to see from a fighter who loses so often, honestly. Um, he came out immediately trying to cross-counter Feely's jab, uh, counter-kick the leg on the jab, and just try to keep Feely from jabbing, and... Like a minute into the fight, he threw this huge cross counter that just threw him completely off his feet. And at that point, you kind of knew he was like, okay, I know I have to win this in the first two or three minutes or some toast. And he was toast within like the first minute and a half. Feely put a flurry together, uh, hurt him with a big head kick off a a counter combo, hurt him with a body kick. Um, Pineda's chin looked like, it looked amazing. Like it, it really recontextualized Cub Swanson as a puncher. Uh, because, I mean, he was always a puncher, but Old Cup Swanson just trashed him, which was it, it, increasingly impressive. Um, basically, a Feely win. I mean, the eye poke was bad, and it being an NC was uh, justified, but Feely won that. Um, did you catch up on Barcelos Valiev? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is the start of when I did the commentaries. Um, But you should go watch that, by the way, if you're listening to this. Uh, Patreon has a $3 with the video. Me also.
1: I should also listen to it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it came out well. Um, The the story of it afterwards was that Barcelos probably should have won. Not the most volumey, pressurey performance from Barcelos for most of it. Uh, Valiev, actually, so I thought Barcelos won, but I thought Valiev fought a very clever fight conceptually. Uh, Lots of in-and-out fainting with the jab, uh, level change, feint, shooting takedowns. That I don't think he ever got a takedown, but he did a good job using the threat of it. At one point, he like level change, fainted into an uppercut, which um, you know, with Barcelos being the new Aldo, it was very fitting. Um, Barcelos, on his part, actually found a lot of really nice counters later. Uh, mostly started walking him into the left hook as Barcelo or as uh, Valiev started selling out to try to buy space. Because you know, the game that Valiev played, we have seen Valiev uh, sort of fall apart later in the fight. Uh, With uh, Trevin Jones, he kicked him in the body 400 times and then lost. Uh, So it was a real possibility he would lose this late. It's just that Barcelos is the sort of fighter who waits for his opportunities more than a lot of people want him to. And the fact that he probably should have won this fight either way, it doesn't really change that. Um, Barcelos had a lot of success with the left hook. Uh, In rounds two and three, uh, walked him onto it as Valiev started gassing out and conceding space a bit more. And then, you know, to buy space, he started, like, committing to things a bit more, and that's when Barcelos found his counters. Uh, Barcelos also outkicked him, so we saw a lot of, like, straight kicks and jabs from Valiev. A lot of them didn't really land particularly cleanly, which, uh, I mean, it was volume that the judges certainly scored, but I I think it was an encouraging performance for Valiev that he didn't win, and kind of a weird performance for uh, Barcelos that didn't really... Make him look great. Um, I said before the fight that I expected Barcelos to be the new Trinaldo more than any sort of real contender, and uh, Ed told me it wasn't a sad thing, which is true. Barcelos is still very, very cool, but uh, I don't think the hopes people had for him to be a real contender were super justified, and uh, I think that's pretty much been cemented since he's never going to get a big fight.
1: The sooner that you accept that he's Trinaldo, the more you'll be able to enjoy his career. Um... Yeah, just uh, shift your expectations to him being like a guy that can beat ranked fighters and uh, might stick around longer than you expect and uh, can, will just do cool things and you'll like his fights and uh, probably won't be disappointed. Um, but yeah, he is somebody that should have been fast-tracked to contention and they clearly had no intention of doing that, which is insane because yeah. <laughs> yes, he's old um, and they had no eye for talent and they couldn't tell that he was somebody that shouldn't be babied. And then they babied him and now we're here. So unfortunate <laughs> mismanagement of a fighter's career and uh, Barcelos still very cool still undefeated uh, in the UFC. And uh, yeah, it's, it's sad. Timor Valle I think is a guy with uh, I mean just because he lost to Barcelos and got the win doesn't mean you know he's not going to go any higher in the division. I think these guys are both underranked. Yep. So I think they'll he'll end up breaking in there. I think he matches up interestingly with a lot of these bantamweights. weights, uh, just being fast and kicky, um, and like competent broadly at a lot of things. And being a wrestler, I think he uh, he can give some people some problems. Um, I, I don't really know who I want him to fight. <laughs> it's weird because like it's hard to name people that are like ranked above him. <laughs> You're like, why would he fight them? He just lost. But uh, I don't know. Let me take a peek. At these, yeah, I'm at these here rankings. Looking at the
0: rankings now, I mean, I could see like yeah. a Rivera fight a Stamen fight.
1: Um, Rivera at 12 is, feels so weird to me. It's
0: very wrong, but you know, Munoz is at eight, which also feels wrong. So. Yeah, it's too low. <laughs> <laughs> wins over number seven, three and five with
1: the with the robbery over Munoz and getting knocked out by.
0: It's a shame. Uh, uh, Sandhagen,
1: those are his bantamweight fights right? he has two.
0: Yeah, he has only those two.
1: So, yeah that's that's wrong, um but yeah he could fight any of those guys from ten to fifteen really they're protecting um they're not protecting i I think they're they're preserving uh, a cheeto uh O'Malley rematch. I think they're gonna do that, so I'm just gonna rule Cheeto out of it, but he could fight Cody stain, and that'd be interesting because they have similar strengths, just very different attributes um they go about it in such a different way um this Kyler Phillips guy man i t- I don't know what what his deal is, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, maybe he'll fight Asun Cao because uh, since Sao was supposed to fight Barcelos, then Bro- Asun Cao was supposed to fight Phillips, and now you know so maybe yeah. they'll just keep that train that chain connected and do a uh, Valleef versus a uh, a We'll see. We'll see.
0: I mean, I could see that. It's just I feel like they might just cut a at this point. That also seems like a decent possibility, which would suck. Go but. to
1: PFL and win a million dollars, baby.
0: <laughs> No, nah, he'll, he'll look weird. He's looking weird already. Like, maybe weird for weird is just normal. and he'll beat everyone, but...
1: He'll lose his first fight, but then he'll make the playoffs. That's what Shaman's doing.
0: <laughs> Let's go. Um, I
1: think Shaman is uh, is in the playoffs because he has a, a finish in, uh, with his wins. So. When
0: was it? Was it second round? I feel like it was second round. Yeah,
1: he got knocked out by Lockman, and then, then he got the Kimura over that random yeah. guy <laughs> who was beating him.
0: <laughs> yeah, end of the second round, so that's five points, right? That should be enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's what you meant. That's what you meant. I, mean, I thought you meant second round of the tournament. I was like, yeah. Oh. Same. Same <laughs> answer.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I could see Valiav being interesting for a lot of guys. I don't see him having, like, a super high ceiling. But, uh, you know, I mean, weirder things have happened than Timur Valiav being top 15. Uh, I'm looking at Cody Garbrandt at number five while I say that. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, next fight Tanner Bozer versus Owen St. Peru. Not a ton to say here, honestly. Uh, Bozer just kicked him in the body a bunch of times and knocked him out. Uh, OSP is kind of useless at this point. It's I don't know if I'd say it's sad to say because I don't really think he's been super useful at any point. But uh, heavyweight kind of takes away the couple edges he had before, which is like being super long and being able to walk guys on the backstep encounters. Now the bigger guys are just walking him back and kicking him a lot. So uh, yeah, I mean Tanner Bowser looks fine. Not nothing to say. I I remember people being like kind of hyped on him for a little bit um, and by people i mean ben uh but
1: <laughs> it was just ben <laughs> yeah.
0: i mean that's the thing right a lot of people were saying what ben was saying and i always found it kind of weird just cuz like i i haven't really seen enough of what he does
1: i understand um, the impulse if you yeah. have a really really low bar for heavyweights and you're like this guy throws regular punches exactly. and he throws a lot of low kicks and he's kind of fast for the weight and I uh, threw a backhand once and he seems like functionally physical. You're like, yeah, this guy's a contender, but heavyweight is a weird division where you need to, if that's going to be your thing, you need to be really you're good at it. You, you're, you need to be really good at it. And your attributes need to match that kind of approach or it's not going to work out. And you know, there are, there are some wrestlers. You got to be able yeah. to deal with that as well. Um, I'm not sure he can, but I don't know. Like, Ben's new claim after saying like he's actually good. He 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 rolled back on that one. He's not saying that anymore. But he is saying he's better. He's in the top 15% of heavyweights. Did he clarify UFC or worldwide?
0: I don't think he did, just because we were making fun of him too fast for him to clarify. Yeah. Um, but well,
1: you know. well, let's not be generous with him and say he meant the UFC. <laughs> so we have to count how many heavyweights there are in the UFC, and then we need to see what 15% would be. And then once he loses to enough of them, um, we'll be able to say, hey, Ben, like, what about now? Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, I
0: mean, you know, I, Keep pushing I'm, him on it. I'm willing to say Alir Latifi is the best heavyweight in the world just because it'd be funny. But you know, realistically, if you lose to Alir Latifi, like, even not really lose and you get wrestled that way, it's probably not true. But
1: Latifi is a 85th percentile, so if you can't <laughs> beat him, then you're, you're not in the top 15%. <laughs> yeah. I and
0: mean, losing a third round to Latifi especially is like, that shouldn't be happening if you're supposed to be the cardio guy at your weight. So, it is what it is. But uh, beating OSP... More heavyweight.
1: More heavyweight talk. Let's go. <laughs> oh, it wasn't this... That was... No, that was heavyweight. I was yep. going to say, didn't OSP bump up and down or, or somebody went yeah, up down did. to light heavyweight?
0: Yeah, he went down to light heavyweight to get knocked out by uh, Hall Hill. And then he went yeah. back up to heavyweight. But
1: cool. now we're up to... Heavyweight made have been. May I did have watch been. this fight.
0: <laughs> I watched it and I... I feel weird about it. Just because it's like... It pretended to be a really technical fight in general. It was a really technical heavyweight fight. But I also can't really tell you all that much about it. Um, Like, Cyril looked good. He fought a lot of southpaw. Uh, Volkov couldn't really figure out the range. Um, And he conceded the ring craft, like, way, way, way too much. Uh, Cyril Gan pretty much gave ground every time Volkov really did anything. But Volkov just conceded the back foot. Uh, Gan's southpaw jab looked solid. He started... Stepping in with solid left hands when uh, Volkov's defense isn't really a thing. Uh, Volkov seemed to think he was a better counterpuncher than he was. Most of his offense were, like, he's flicking lead leg kicks. The dynamic, like, stayed relatively the same through the whole fight. Um, it was weird. Like, Gon looked the best when, uh, I think it was, like, the third round. He started, like, really smacking up Volkov's body. And he looked like a, a really good fighter for a little bit. And then he started stepping in on Volkov against the fence and was getting counterpunched by Volkov. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how to feel about this. And uh, as we speak, Gone is already booked. Uh, he's fighting Derek Lewis <laughs> for a belt, which, I mean, it's definitely a, a fight that on paper is easier than Alexander Volkov, much less volume, uh, much more vulnerable to the body work, much worse at a lot of things. Uh, but I don't know. Gone just, he feels like, uh, I don't know what to say. It, it kind of feels like people are doing... For high-level heavyweight with Gone what they did with low-level heavyweight for Bozer, where they look at the things he does okay and turn it into, like, he's really, really, really awesome when I kind of don't buy it. But for heavyweight, mm-hmm. he's definitely really good, and he has a shot at anyone.
1: Um, I was concerned for Gone early in the fight because Volkov is uh, kicking off the back foot a lot and landing a lot, but Gone didn't seem particularly bothered by it. Uh, except for when Volkov went to the body, that seemed like more of a concern than the uh, the leg kick. Because Gon was, like, taking them uh, on a pretty strong part of his leg. They weren't, like, landing flush on uh, the vulnerable sections. But, yeah. yeah, Volkov was kind of volume kicking him early in the fight. And I was like, huh, this is weird. <laughs> um, but then Volkov was not able to sustain doing that because Gon was pressuring him. And uh, Did someone call Gon a fake southpaw?
0: Yeah, someone called – I mean, it, it's – yeah, someone did call Ryan? him that. I don't think... It might have been... It was probably an alt account of Ryan. But yeah, I mean, he did I get fight. I
1: get where they're coming from with yeah. that, but I disagree.
0: I mean, lead hand-heavy southpaws are pretty much always cooler than rear-hand-heavy southpaws to me, uh, which is mm-hmm. why I wanted Dustin Poirier to beat the shit out of Conor McGregor and why he's going to do that again, but...
1: That's the only reason?
0: Kind of. Uh, Robbie wow. Lawler, that's one. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really have strong feelings on either guy. I feel like Volkov, he had some success uh, driving Cyril Gon back uh, with, like, flurries and kicking him on the exit. Those were, like, some of the cleaner kicks he landed, if I remember correctly. Because a lot of the stuff he did just on the back foot were, like, these kind of lead leg flicky kicks that didn't really do much. But, I don't know. Like, for, for a fight that was meant to be, perhaps, like, the most high-level skill-wise heavyweight fight in a while, and one that might have actually ended up that way. I came out feeling weirdly lukewarm about both, just because the approach of both guys seemed to be interesting in weird ways.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I didn't come away feeling any differently about Gon, but it is, it is very cool that he can like sustain some sort of pace over five rounds. That's true. Um, that's been less common at heavyweight recently. And uh, yeah, I'm happy about that. I don't think I'm actually gonna be that concerned because I want him to at least fight for the title. I want him to fight in Ghana. I want it to be in Paris. I want it to be a big thing. Um, I like that there's a storyline. Like th- th- I, I'm being, I'm trying very hard to enjoy as many fights as possible, <laughs> and they're, they're giving me some stuff to uh, to work with here. So uh, I'm in, I'm in on that. So if he loses to Derek Lewis, it's like the irony poisoned storyline of like yes, the rematch of the worst fight in heavyweight history, like I want it so bad. Like, not me, dude. Like I I'm <laughs> gonna have to cover that thing. I want to do commentary. So are you. You don't want that. Um that's gonna be terrible like if you want to see us suffer, which I think most of you do, uh then I guess root for Derek Lewis. But uh I I would like Gone to fight for the title. I'd like it to be to be that. Um that would be cool for me. And uh yeah I mean let's let's talk a little bit about that. Um that it's gone Lewis for the interim title when Francis Ngannou fought three months ago and won and didn't take any damage really besides like one punch. Uh, So I think there's some sort of beef with uh, Ngannou's manager and Dana White because of course, because he's a manager so automatically Dana White doesn't like him. Um, But beyond that, I, I feel like Ngannou probably negotiated and they said that this guy, Hunter Campbell, uh, I don't know if he's a matchmaker or what specifically he does, but he has some sort of role in booking the fights. And, um, yeah, apparently if you, like, try to negotiate at all, he's like, oh, well, we'll strip, you, strip your title or we'll give the fight to somebody else and, like, bullshit like that. Um, so that's probably what happened there. When <laughs> Connie was like, well, I'm your, your very marketable heavyweight champion who just, you know, beat your greatest heavyweight by knockout. Um, and I'm getting better and I have a great story and I have a lot of value, so you should, you should pay me. And they said, no, <laughs> interim title <saddle> fight. <laughs> and, uh, so that's where we're at right now, which sucks really bad. Um, extremely bad. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Is, I hope they they come to a resolution with that. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely concerned. Because uh, we were we were pretty, and uh, we were sad for Stipe when that happened, but we were also fairly, not excited, but optimistic about Ngannou being, like, a progressing, you know, functional heavyweight, like, for something sure. I didn't really expect to happen, and now he's just, like, not going to fight, because the promotion won't do, you know, basic negotiations or pay him anything close to what he's worth. Uh, that's annoying, and it's uh, par for the course. I mean, no one listening to this is surprised that the UFC is a terrible business, Um who treats their employees uh, like contractors and completely disrespects them. But, yeah, that's a terrible situation. Um, do the UFC do anything else ridiculous recently that we haven't reflected on?
0: Uh, I don't really think so. I mean, uh, apart from, like, the, um, the usual matchmaking issues of all the fights being kind of mid. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, on the heavyweight thing, I'm kind of part of the irony poison people where, like, I don't, really care all that much about heavyweight as a division, and I just want funny outcomes, but this is still pretty concerning because of the precedent it sets for other weight classes. Um, Like, there are a lot of champions who probably deserve better than what they're getting, and they really can't afford to sit out given what's happened to Francis Ngannou. We saw the same situation with Tyron Woodley, and that's another situation where I really didn't care for Woodley himself, because, you know, obviously it's Woodley, but. It said bad things moving forward, and I think we're we're staying in that situation. And it's also kind of weird because I don't really know where Stipe is supposed to go from here. Um, I think Gon or Lewis was probably the best option for him, and now they're fighting each other because the promotion needed to rush a title fight. And Blades um, is
1: fighting Rosenstreich, isn't he?
0: Yeah, that's another thing. So even Blades isn't available. Rosenstreich could probably be a tune-up for Stipe, but he's also not available. Uh, so it's like it's going to be Steve versus like Marching or it's going to be Nganu 3, which I really do not want to see at this point. Oh no, uh, <laughs> it, it'd be awful. And it and it'd Don't mean do that, that, like, I mean, that pretty much all of uh, Stipe's last five fights would be against two people. No, last six fights would be against two people, right? Because we had Nganu 2, three Cormier fights, and then two Nganu fights. Oh, jeez. Uh, it'd be so bad, it'd be awful, but. Yeah, I just... It's weird. Like, it puts the division in a very bizarre position. And even independent of the fact that they're mistreating champions, it's just... It sucks to see. And I, I don't want to see it. But, uh, you know... That's kind of why I'd be fine with the UFC being punished for this whole farce by Lewis coming out on top. And Lewis and gone into just being a, a colossal turd. Um, but I also don't want to see it, like, actually as a fight. I just want it to happen without me seeing it. And I'd have to see it. So...
1: You know what's, what's funny? What's up? I care so much more about heavyweight than light heavyweight, and I pretty much always have felt this way.
0: I don't know how I... F- I'm, okay, I like Jan Blachowicz more than anyone at heavyweight at this point, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Glover Teixeira has an okay arc, I guess, but I I guess. Like, Steve Miocic has always been uh, one of the guys, I suppose. Um... I know we have to root for Blades because you know he's one pretty good and two really trying to improve and you can see it so you have to respect that. I don't know. I feel like I care about the same amount of guys in both, so I don't know.
1: It's I think it's a symptom of my expectations being a little bit lower, but also the the fighters like their their vibe is more established. That was a terrible way of saying that, but like <laughs> their their games are a little bit more. I think solid is the word like Curtis Blades you know exactly how he's gonna win how he's gonna lose uh for the most part um he's he's got his game it's either gonna work or it's not that's basically how everybody is um until you get to like the actually pretty competitive higher level matchups which exists a lot of heavyweight there's a lot of parody at the top of heavyweight this is a weird time where Nganu just kind of has that feeling like where he could just dead anybody and it's not like a real fight um, <laughs> like you're in a, in a weird place right now but I feel like there's always been that kind of parody and, and competitiveness and like higher quality fights honestly even if the skill might not be the same or worse than light heavyweight just, I don't know it, just, it feels like a more competitive division somehow to me whereas light heavyweight yeah we've been trading champions for a while but uh, that's you know af- before and after the Jones era and the Jones era like sucked for me because <laughs> yeah. um, it was like oh my god this is how you beat him. And then everyone's doing some dumb game plan, and then the people that do the smart game plans just
0: lose anyway do
1: something else <laughs> dumb or they lose a bad decision, and it's just like this is so annoying. um so I became very disinterested in my heavyweight during uh the Jones reign because I just wanted him to lose so bad, and, like no one, no one was doing anything approaching a good job um so I was like, what well, you know screw this, And I have no attachments to heavyweight fighters really, so it's like I can just kind of observe uh what's happening and and be a little bit more uh I don't know like a normal fan <laughs> uh, for that division, just kind of, like, not worry about analysis too much.
0: Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel the same way about, light like, heavyweight, honestly, just because, like, um, Blahovish versus Prohaska, I expect that to be, like, a ton of fun, more so than, like, for instance, Gon versus Nganu, which seems, like, kind of binary. But also, mm-hmm. like, it feels like heavyweight had the most complete fighter out of both weight classes in the last couple years with Stipe Miocic. Which yeah. is weird, because it shouldn't, right? Because like, it should have the pipeline from middleweight going up to light heavyweight, where you're like, okay, middleweight should be good light heavyweights, but there never are for some reason. And it's annoying where heavyweight has like actual homegrown talent somehow. I don't know. It's a weird discussion. It's like... Uh, I've trained myself so hard to care about neither that it's hard to answer.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. That's fair. That's fair. Well, growing pains... <laughs> we'll get there. We'll find things to care about as as we go. Uh, ways ways to make ourselves care because if we don't, then uh, we're gonna be unable to talk about. It's like twenty percent of <laughs> the fights that that are happening, uh, and people don't love that. So yeah, this I is mean, our podcast convincing ourselves to care about stuff.
0: Yeah, the choice I've made is since Connor um, Rubbish said that I would not care about Jerry Rosenstroke I'm going to start caring about him. I don't know what I'd start caring about. Brilliant. Uh, it's, you know, it, it is the way that I start caring about things most often is pure spite. Just
1: die on the hill that picking him over in it was good.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I genuinely would not be surprised if Cyril Ghana got done the same way. I really hope it happens. Like Kicking it,
1: off the back foot?
0: I mean, that's one thing, but also gone, you know, retreating linearly and gone and just running at him and clobbering him. It, it seems like a thing that could happen.
1: Yeah, I could, but I could picture that happening to literally anybody. Pretty much. <laughs> you know, at any weight class. Anyone that doesn't not retreat linearly, is, those are the only people that I, I wouldn't pick that to happen to. Anyone yeah. else in the world that, that backs up in a straight line, I'm like, yeah, that could happen. Um. <laughs> True.
0: Um...
1: If Fury do that? Ngannou would knock him out. There you
0: go. <laughs> Ngannou versus Deontay Wilder? That'd be. Uh, I
1: saw someone very confidently pick Ngannou over Wilder. I'm like, you are so interesting that you don't watch boxing, or you do and just have no idea what's going on. You say that. Um, very fun. That you're stupid. Anyway, what's a good way to end this. Uh, uh-huh. We ended up uh, finding stuff to talk about, despite this week being largely untalkaboutable.
0: Yeah, I mean, lots of rambling, but I I found it fun.
1: People like it when we ramble, or they hate it. Let us know if you like it or hate it, and there's no in-between, so don't even try me on that. Don't make it nuanced. Like it or hate it. There you go. And uh, Ronan, don't forget to to DM us the code word. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, so, three, two, one...